how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley. I have a very special guest on today. I have Mark Daniels. Mark Daniels is the CEO of Results BI. In 2016, he was a founding member. They created an exit at Diligent for over 600 million US dollars and has been refining his process on strategy and more importantly, execution since 1979. He's the CEO of Results BI because 95% of all companies fail to execute on their strategic plan. And his vision is to help over 200,000 companies put together their strategic plan and execute on it. Mark, happy to have you on the show today. Welcome, man. Thank you, Ryan. Glad to be here. Perfect time of year. You know, everybody's looking at planning or they just put together their plans and now they got to make shit happen. They got they got to make it a reality. So so everybody has some context in terms of where you're at in your journey now at Results BI. Can you just give me um, a quick breakdown of the following? So annual revenue, where are you at annual revenue wise? I'm just shy of $8 million right now. Okay, so you're at $8 million. Is that $8 million ARR or just $8 million total? $8 million reoccurring revenue. Awesome. All right, and then what's your go-to-market strategy? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it product-led? Right now we do a lot of free uh, webinars, but it's product-led. It's uh, We give people access to our platform for free for 30 days. Uh, our platform helps them put together a strategic plan. Okay. Um, they can actually print the plan too. So if on the 29th day, if they don't want to get billed, they can print their work and walk away with their paper plan. Okay. So um, we make it really easy. Um, and that's pretty much where our, our acquisition is from. A lot of free webinars. I do free master classes all year long. Every week I'm doing another master class. Excellent, man. That's that's a great strategy. So combination webinar, marketing, product-led growth. Um, what's your team size right now? Um Globally, we have about 20 people. Okay. Um, bulk of them are in Auckland, New Zealand. I haven't seen them since March 6 of 2020, <laughs> uh, except over Zoom. Uh, but I haven't been in New Zealand since uh, since March 6 of 2020. I flew out and right into New York City, right into the mouth of the dragon. The mouth of the dragon. Okay, so so that's awesome, and that's that's amazing revenue for only twenty people. So absolutely love that, and I love what you're talking about um, in in your solution offering of helping with the strategic and execution. So can you just give us? That's kind of like where you're at, and we, you shared this with me prior to jumping on. But can you just share your journey on how you got here? Because you've done some really sure. cool things to pave the way for what you're doing now. Um. Well, I was really blessed. I was um, in college and I started to do some, my background was a formal accountant. I was going to college um, and, and got a degree in accounting, but I started to do some work for a Radio Shack dealership in uh, West Milford, New Jersey. It was way back in 1977. And we were starting to sell these computers called the Radio Shack Model One. <laughs> These things were powerful. 4K of memory and a Z80 processor. <laughs> <laughs> huge, huge processing power. But anyway, um, uh, you know, there was no place to buy computers at the time. You could buy a Heath kit online. You could buy the Apple one online. Um, 
Wozniak would ship it to you from his garage. Um, so I was really there at the beginning. And um, one day, um, this, that immediate area was very challenged um, financially, the area of northern Jersey at the time. The Ford Mawa plant, the world's second largest manufacturing plant of cars, had just closed down. And um, everybody was laid off. And the whole economy was really struggling. And this poor guy that owned this Radio Shack dealership was going to go out of business. And I said, we went to this convention, Radio Shack convention, and everybody was complaining about a place in Texas that was mail-ordering the computers. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I grabbed Joe, and I, Joe was the guy's name. I pulled him out of the room, and I said, Joe, I said, we can save your company. And within a week, we had launched an ad in the Wall Street Journal, Radio Shack, TRS-80 computers, best prices in the USA, call 201-728-7555. That's really the number. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and um, the phones never stopped ringing. Within a few years, you know, it was a multi-million dollar company. Um, and I eventually took over, you know, as the, this, the CEO and president of that company. And that company grew to be about $80 million by the time I sold it in, in 1991. Wow. Um, so that's how I really started. But during that period of time, being a, 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 a young entrepreneur, I had to learn a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was reading books like crazy. Um, every book that, that came out on business management and competitive analysis. And um, it was a challenging time to live in. Uh, there was, um, you know, initially there was no competitors. But then there were other competitors. Gateway, this skinny little snot-nosed kid, Michael Dell, came into the market. Yes, he used to be skinny. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and then, um, you know, got the, the margins went from 20 to 15 to 10. And the margins really got pretty, pretty terrible. So I exited that business. Uh, also during that period of time, I launched my first online presence in 1984. Wow. As part of CompuServe's Electronic Mall, we were one of the first 100 stores online in oh, there you go. CompuServe's Electronic Mall, long before um, Al Gore ever invented the internet. Sorry <laughs> for the political statement there, but <laughs> a little, little political joke there because the internet was around before many people know. Anyway, um, so I learned a lot about selling online early on. Um, and by the 90s, I, I was uh, running a video game company online, um, you know, ha had a very good success there, sold that company to, um, it's called GameDealer.com, um, and sold that to Electronics Boutique. Today, if you type in www.GameDealer.com, it goes all the way to GameStop. Just, <laughs> that's ah, nice. Got that URL eventually. Um, uh, my real, my real uh, powerful, um, my biggest success, well, there's a few along the way. I did a business plan for a friend of mine, Instrumentation Engineering. That sold to Flextronics for $300 million. Wow. Um, Flex uh, manufactures your Apple iPhone, manufactures their subcontractor manufacturer with plants in over 60 cities, uh, 60 countries. Um, and, uh, they're, they're traded on the market. I think they have a $3 billion cap or something greater than that these days. 
F-L-E-X. So, um, so that was a big success for me. But then um, and he ended up being the lead investor in my next venture, which was um, Diligent. And uh, Diligent, um, when I joined Diligent, I was a founder, one of the seven founders. They asked me to run operations. They had three clients. At the end of the first week, I said, okay, I'm all done operating. <laughs> what you really need is sales. And I became the um, EVP of sales and grew that organization globally. Um, and uh, that was the company. Um, and basically what that company did was we took traditional board packages that would be sent to a board member of a publicly listed company, which were this thick. Um, and um, we digitized them, put them online, early what was called a board portal. Not too many people use the word portal anymore. But, uh, you know, where the board members could log on and securely view their board material. Um, and uh, that company is now the leading provider in that space. And that was the company we uh, got listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange. It was headquartered in New York, New York, but we, we listed it on the New Zealand Stock Exchange and we sold that company for 941 million New Zealand dollars. And as you referred to in your opening, about 600 million USD. Um, yeah, Mark, I had I had to do a little uh, translation on that because I didn't uh, or exchange rate. I didn't I didn't know. I'm like, that sounds like a lot of money. And I'm like, ah, maybe it's like. Maybe it's like 10 million or something like that. You know what I mean? And then I looked it up. I'm like, holy cow, it's 600 million. That's awesome. So yeah, anyway. Any of you that have ever started a company or brought in angel investors or brought in investors, um, you know, while I was one of the founders, by the time um, we did that, I only owned about 3.2% of the company. So how much, wait, how much did you, this is, this is a great point. So you only own 3.2% at the exit. You were one of the founders. How much um, how much revenue did you grow it to as the head of sales when you guys sold it? Um, we were we were um, we were at two thousand customers um, um, when when we well when I started to step away. But about two years later, we finalized the deal. Probably about three four thousand uh, publicly listed companies, all paying twenty thousand dollars a year. Um, it was a pretty good SaaS model. It was a pretty powerful SaaS model. Some of them were paying upwards of $60,000. Um, so um, um, I, I think today the company's in excess of $100 million um, uh, a year USD. Um, okay. So. Excellent. So here's here's a question for you. Knowing what you know now, you went through that entire process. Would you have taken on investors or not? Um, now that you've been through that entire journey? I think in that journey, I had no choice to, but to bring in investors. Um, we were entering a new unfounded market. Um, I really struggled with the right sales pitch um, in the beginning. Um, companies were very nervous about putting their, um, their uh, books online, their board books online, very private information. Ironically, what really changed their mind eventually was they didn't do any search or background checks on their UPS driver. <laughs> and the UPS <laughs> driver could be pulling over the truck after he picked up these 12 FedEx boxes 
UPS, and I, I don't mean to slam UPS or FedEx, ripping open that box, photostatting the board book, putting the box back together, and it, their, their process wasn't secure anyway, right? So going online actually brought a whole really amazing level of security to the overall overarching process. Uh, board members would leave paper board books on airplanes. They'd leave them in oh. hotels. Um, That's you know, a great companies point. Would, companies would ship one to the vacation house, one to their office, and one to their primary house. There'd be three books for one board member. And then the guy would forget, the guy or woman would forget to bring it to the board meeting. So they'd have to have a fourth book for the board member. So, um, you know, it provided a level of security that just wasn't there in immediacy. After Hurricane Katrina, um, you know, we, we had a real explosion of growth because companies in that area, their board members needed to meet without going to a traditional sit-down board meeting. Um, they needed to meet over the line. They needed to get their books um, shipped to them electronically versus via a, a, a carrier. So um, I forget if I answered your question there. No, yeah. Um, so the question was, sorry to interrupt, because um, you were on to something. The question was, would you take on investors again? No, know? I think in the beginning, I really need, we needed those investors. Now, in, in this journey that I'm on right now, I do have some investors um, with results BI, but I'm bootstrapping this one. I'm trying to hold on as much as much of the uh, ownership as I can. Um, you, you noticed my low headcount. Um, I believe that technology, and for those of you who have SDRs, I apologize for this, but I am shifting away from the traditional SDR approach of sales because you can do so much online right now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I'm doing webinars to sometimes to as many as 200 people. And the day after the webinar, we'll get 30 signups um, to the platform. Um, so um, that's a great conversion rate. Yeah. And that makes sense, especially, you know, being that you're a former sales guy and you've shifted more to the one to many versus the one to one approach that you did for that higher ticket sales before. So um so it totally makes sense. And so SDRs in our in our New Zealand office, they had eight SDRs, and in San Francisco, we had six SDRs, and it was like a revolving door out there in San Francisco because everybody was always stealing your best SDR. So um, you know, I eventually closed down the the, the San Francisco office, and uh, you know, I only have two formal SDRs, what I would call an SDR today. Um, so I apologize for all of you SDRs out there that might be listening, um, but but technology is is replacing so much in this world, whether it's on the manufacturing line, whether it's um, and certainly what Zoom has done, um, even putting a dent in the office space that we need. Totally. So and I I think that's that's a a really interesting point that you bring up that. And I've seen it as well. It's, it's sometimes it's just that's what people have been leveraging for the last 20 years is the go, you know, the way to do it. But there's been a massive shift. So let's talk about let's talk about let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about strategy and in focus and execution, because I, I know that's your sweet spot. So um, so with that, you know, talk about only five percent of companies, you said it's based on HBR, you know, Harvard Business Review research. Well, Harvard Business Review says that only 15% um, of companies, uh, no, first off, 
only 30% of, of companies put together a, a formal strategic plan. And I'm not talking about your CFO sitting there and, and putting together numbers in an Excel spreadsheet. That's a forecast. That's not a strategy. Right. Um, so many companies say, oh, yeah, we did a goal-setting workshop. So they set some goals. That's not a strategy. You know, right now, more than ever, you need to put together a strategic plan because the world we live in has changed greatly over the last two years. Um, socially, economically, technology-wise. So you have to have a strategy. Then you set your goals. So I'm very focused on putting together a strategic plan. However, Harvard Business Studies year after year say only 10 to 15% of those companies actually execute their strategy. So if only 30% of companies actually sit down and put together a strategic plan, and only 15% execute them, that brings it down to a really small spot. Mm -hmm. So my personal goal right now, my passion is to help companies put together a strategy, then provide them the tools and the disciplines and the teachings to how to create these disciplines to actually execute the plan. Okay. And I love that. So let's start because of such a high failure rate, um, what's what are the biggest mistakes that people make or companies make when they are creating and trying to execute on their strategic plan? Well, once you put together a strategic plan, a lot of companies will put together um, lots of strategic projects. Um, I have a simple rule. It's called the rule of three. <laughs> um, Studies have found that, um, you know, when you put together a list of 10 or 12 projects that as a CEO or a leader of a division, there's no way you can personally keep your eye on 10, 10 projects. Um, narrow your focus and do three major strategic projects every quarter. Now, I'm not saying that this project can't be a one-year project. Break it into four, four quarters. OK, mm -hmm. but we're working on three major projects every quarter. Um, part of um, driving growth in a company is is finding a trend. Um, and you, many of you may have heard of what's called a, a SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. Well, let's throw the threats out. Because nobody ever good at identifying the threat that's going to take them out. <laughs> Did anybody, when they put together their 19, their 2000 strategic plan, say there's going to be a global pandemic? That was the big threat. Not one of you did. Not one of you did. <laughs> 9,000 clients that have been through our strategic planning tool. At that time, it was like 7,000. I queried the database. Not one listed pandemic as a threat. Okay. So throw away threats. Rather than threats, look at trends. So do strengths, weaknesses, and trends, and then pick three strategic projects. The first one, have it leverage one of your strengths because you're good at it, right? Mm -hmm. Something that you're, you know is a sure bet, right? You know it's a winner. That's your strength. Your next strategic project, 
have it eliminate one of your weaknesses or reduce it in your next strategic project for the quarter is the magical one. A trend. I've been fortunate to ride trends. 1978, the trend of computers, personal computers, carried me for 12 years. 1990, digital, I totally eliminated the need of two steps of pre-press with pre-press solutions, and we went from screen to press. That company was eventually acquired by Heidelberg. Um, GameDealer.com, place for kids to go buy their video games. <laughs> um, um, the name's not happening, right? And diligent. So it's trends, folks. It's trends. And they're not always easy. I've identified some things that I thought were trends and they didn't work. But if you identify four trends over the next four quarters, one of them are going to be magical. And I'm sitting at my standing desk. I usually do like, you got to find that raid and wave and ride it. Carabongo, dude. You got to find that wave and ride it. And that's why I really believe in doing what I call a swaddle. Strength, weaknesses, and trends. Set your opportunities and then leverage them. Okay. Now, you asked me a question about how to execute. So most people get those three uh, three projects down. And if you please limit yourself to three projects. Um, most people do the strategic planning, and then they they think because they have a great executive team, and they do. They've selected great people to surround themselves with, and they think because they have a plan, it's just going to happen. But then they don't track it. You could be the best pilot in the world, and if you got in a plane and didn't look at your navigation, your plane would crash, <laughs> right? Yep, so true, so true. I think it's no. like a plane's off course like 93% of the time or something like that. That's on its right, journey. it's off course of the from the moment it takes off, and it's got to be adjusting. So think about your job as a CEO, as a pilot, and every week, Sit down with your executive team and look what's working of your three projects and look what's not working. If you nail those three strategic projects, your company's going to grow. Your company's going to grow. Your company's going to be successful. If you don't nail those three strategic projects, I'm not saying there can't be other projects going on in the company. If you're a large company, you're going to have other projects. And you teach the same logic to other business units and other business heads. But you as a CEO, manage your three biggest ones. Stephen Jobs, a great Stephen Jobs, two projects per quarter. He lists 10 and people would beg him, Stephen, we got to do this. We got to do this. Nope. These are the two we're focused on. These are the two we're focused on. Um, so I really believe in focusing on those projects and then really driving those projects with a weekly executive team meeting. And at those executive team meetings, don't let them be beat up meetings. Let them be the kind of meeting where you high five people and congratulate the people that have hit their goals. And when you have somebody that's falling behind on their strategic project, say, what can I do to help you, Ryan? How can we get this project back on track? What can the rest of the team here do to help you? What other resources could I give you? 
that's what you have to do. Um, and so many businesses just don't do that. They, 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 they get so wrapped up in answering their, their customer calls and, oh, there's a fire over here. I got to go put it, put it out. I call it, um, many consultants um, call it um, working in the business rather than on the business. Right, exactly. Um, um, but as a CEO, you have to spend at least one day a week working on your business, on your business. Um, yeah. I made the mistake early in my, my career. I would be out on the shipping floor shipping boxes when we got hit with a rush rather than saying, oh, my gosh. Maybe I just have to hire another shipping clerk. <laughs> no, I'd be out there strapping boxes at the end of a day, um, you know, and chucking them in the UPS truck as it pulled away. That was ludicrous. And it took me time and years to learn, um, you know, stop working, you know, stop working for the company, work on the company. So let me ask you this. So, Mark, what's your what's your structure for your one day then? when you're working on the business. I know you said have an executive meeting, <clears throat> look at those three goals, evaluate what's working, what's not working and try to optimize and improve. Sorry, I'm a little sick. That's why I <clears throat> got a frog in my throat. But, you know, for you, like how do you structure that day? You know, cause it, a day is, is huge, <clears throat> but well, how do you structure it? It doesn't have to be the same. You don't have to do it all the same day, but you have to become, um, um, somewhat in search of a better word, religious about it. Um, okay, for the audience there, we're, we're, we're recording this, I believe, uh, in early January. Not believe, we're recording this in early yeah. January. I'm not sure <laughs> when Ryan's, when Ryan's going to release this to the market. But all of us have just set New Year's resolutions. This will answer your question. All right. So, New Year's resolution. By the end of February, most of us have abandoned our New Year's resolution. Now we actually, some of us came up with a plan. I'm gonna join the gym, okay? I'm going to join a, a diet program. And, and so now I have a plan. Some of us start to execute the plan. I signed up for the gym. I have these great meals being shipped to my house every day. That, that, that. But then by the end of February, we're done. It's because we stopped focusing on our on our plan on a weekly or even a daily basis right mm -hmm. so i have a really simple thing it's called the results formula results formula is in week one of a quarter and we're in week one right now you set your intention that's your plan and then for the next 12 weeks you give it the attention it deserves it's intention times attention to the 12th 12 weeks equal results love that track your numbers in a spreadsheet on a dashboard you don't need some fancy dashboard you, you could have one and that's great they're, they're they're super powerful um make sure you have two dashboards one that's for you the ceo and that ceo dashboard you can look at it once a week or you can look at it every day but that might have key numbers like year-to-date sales um, cash on hand, accounts receivable, inventory aging, backlog in the warehouse, whatever it might be, the key metrics that you need to look at as a CEO. The other dashboard is what you're going to use to help your team. The other dashboard should show your three strategic projects and 
If it shows KPIs, it should show leading metrics. Now, I know Ryan used to do some uh, sales management work and some SDR work. So you don't put a dashboard up that says percentage of quota. No, you put a dashboard up that says, how many phone calls did you make yesterday? That's a leading metric. How many demos did you book today? That's a leading metric. How many demos did you do today? That's a leading metric. How many converted to a quote? That's a leading metric. The quota attainment will happen. It will happen if you're tracking the leading metrics. So, so many folks will build a dashboard that looks at the end game. That's stupid. You do need that as a CEO. So sorry if I just insulted anybody in the audience. Or as an executive, you do need that. You do need that. But that's for you. For your executive team, push leading metrics and push those three strategic projects. Every week, whether it's a one-hour meeting on Mondays. I like doing my meetings on Mondays. I actually do them, um, believe it or not, on Sunday nights because most of my team is in New Zealand. Oh, there you go. Um, so I do them on Sunday nights. Um, and then I have a sub-meeting midweek with the people I have here in the U.S. and in Ireland. Um, and I have one person in South Africa, too. So I do a separate meeting with that group. But every Monday night, I sit down with my New Zealand team, and we look through what happened in the previous week and what we need to do. We, or we give each other high fives virtually now. Um, um, but, you know, we celebrate our successes and talk about what's working. And then we dive into what's not working and what we can do better and get those projects back on track. Love that. That's an awesome formula. We only spend an hour with that team every Sunday, Sunday night, 7 p.m., one hour. Now, sometimes I'll set up a follow-up meeting for later in the week to address a specific issue or problem that I've seen. I never beat up anybody in front of the group. If I feel that they need a separate you know, they're part of a team. And I think one of the challenges some CEOs face is let your people talk. Try not to be the person doing all the talking. The executive team meeting, you should turn to that project lead and say, hey, Ryan, tell me about that project and, and how's it progressing? Awesome, man. I <laughs> love that framework. Love that that position. And then last question in relation to this, and we're getting close on time. So we got to wrap, but how, so how much time do you spend personally analyzing the data and like strategic thinking time prior to this meeting? Like, is there any kind of routine that you do to, um, Um, on my Fridays, I set aside time to record videos, um, and and also look at what hap- has happened in that previous week. Um, look at the project, see how they've moved forward. Um, that way, when I go into my meeting on Sunday night, I already know what I'm going to talk about. Yep. Um, in the results software, um, we record all the things that are, are, we have a meeting tool called integrated meetings. Why is it called integrated meetings? Because every meeting is integrated with data. Never come to a meeting without the data to back up what you're working on. I, I've been in meetings and um, you know on the West Coast in San Jose, California, for a large multi-billion-dollar company that I worked for. And these meetings were pointless. They didn't have an agenda. 
right? And people would come to the meeting just to basically, excuse my language, shoot the shit. Mm-hmm. It was a meeting just, yeah. well, we're going to meet on Mondays. Yeah, we're meeting on Monday. No, come with a structured agenda and come with the data to back it up. And if somebody comes to that meeting and they say, well, the sales reps aren't keying in their numbers, so I don't know if we can count on those numbers. Say, well, this meeting is over. <laughs> Politely say, let's have this meeting again next week, but let's make sure we have the data to back it up. And politely end the meeting. I learned that from a guy in 1991. I called Bob Trenkamp I worked for, one of my early mentors. And, um, you know, he walked into one meeting and he said, um, Mark, could I see the agenda for this meeting? And um, he um, and I said, well, I don't have an agenda for the meeting, Bob. And he stood up, walked over the door. He said, no agenda, no attenda. And he walked out and slammed the door. <laughs> He's a German guy, Bob Trenkamp. He opened up the door with a really... Funny grin that he had, and he said, but I'll be back next week. (laughs) Let me tell you, ever since 1991, I've always had an agenda. Always had an agenda for a meeting. Um, Every meeting should have a clear purpose, the agenda, and you should be reviewing the key metrics for your executive team meeting. You call it an ET meeting, um, strategic review meeting. You know, have it every week. Um, and if you can't make it, have somebody else run that meeting. Yeah. Love that, man. Have the meeting. Well, that's, that's a great point to wrap on. <clears throat> and, um, just a quick rundown then before we, before we, um, kind of call things, what's your favorite book that you've read over the last couple of years? Oh, wow. Um, well, I recently launched onto uh, let's see, Click Funnels. I, I should have should have thought a little bit more about this. I recently launched onto um, Click Funnels, but I guess um, best one I've read over the last two years would be Donald Miller, a book um, um, that he wrote. Um, and let me see if I have it behind me here. By the way, if you're listening, he's got like 300 books in the background, which is probably why he's having a hard time tracking it down. Um, marketing made simple, I think is what it's called. Um, and, um, he he really teaches you again, you'll hear me say a lot, like narrow your focus. Um, so many people try to do so much. Um, and when you go to a typical website, there's so much noise. And you know, when somebody says, what, what do you do, Mark? I say, we make strategic planning easy. You know, you might want to know more and I can tell you more. But if I tell you too many things right now, and I just keep it going and going and going. You say, shut up, Mark. And, yeah. And he calls, no. that, you know, he says it's just too much noise. So I think people try to over. So he's, it's called Marketing Made Simple. It's by a guy called Donald Miller. Um, I believe that's. Okay, name. excellent. I love that. Is there a founder that you're following or that, that you look up to? Founder that I'm following. I, I, I've been following Elon Musk for years. I think he's a crazy dude, and um, he's had uh, three three major successes, um, starting all the way back with um, um, with the credit card company, and then you know, hey pal, well, yeah. yeah, okay, he's awesome. He's a beast, obviously. What's your favorite online tool that you couldn't live without? Click Funnels. Yeah, Click Funnels is great. Love Russell Brunson. Um, I almost said Russell Bronson's books, but his books are really, um, they're, they're, um, 
they're, they're like a fire hose. Um, you know, they're not like, you know, you, you have to sift through it. There's just so much information in them. Um, and, and that's why I was trying to come up with a book that would help somebody get started if they, they, they need help versus yeah, no, those are, books are like, forget he's it. Got a, yeah, he's got a trilogy of books that are amazing. So, all right. So, so Mark, this is a pleasure. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about Results BI? Um, ResultsBI.com. BI stands for business intelligence. Obviously, I think most people know that. Um, we um, have a, a free trial program there, um, and uh, we can embed Power BI dashboards right into our platform. It's a super easy platform um, that helps somebody quickly put together a strategic plan. Um, um, 30 day free trial. You can actually put your strategy together print your plan and send us an email saying, don't bill me and you'll have your strategy for the next year. So um, I encourage you to go check us out there. Um, I hope to stay with us beyond the 30 days, but um, you know, my goal is to help as many companies as possible. Get the plan down. Um, I apologize for that. (laughs) It's 11 (laughs) o'clock. All right. Well, thank you for your time today. It was awesome having you on the show. We'll put that in the show notes. And thanks for being on, man. Okay, take care. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.